Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with your host, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. Kick on back and listen to another exciting episode. It's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Hey, 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 it's me. It's that time of week again, and it's me, the sober guy, and I am here with... uh, Oh, yeah? The Cracking Beer Drunk Guy. It's the Sober and Drunk Guy Show. Also, Also known as the Rock and Metal combat podcast and uh, we are here to brighten your week once again the only way we do know is uh we talk about music we talk about how our moms are whores and how uh we like to say the word fuck fucking a right and uh i want i have some really good news uh, i don't know if you saw this ian but uh, there was some, a girl in new mexico that was that's a thrasher die fan that was abducted joan benet ramsey and her boyfriend was uh, sent me a message asking me if I could please help by putting up, you know, on Facebook, uh, you know, it was like a flyer of, of her. And, you know, they had the guy that, that took her, you know, they had a picture of him and everything. And uh, this went on for a few days. And I was like, you know, very worried for the poor girl. And uh, she was only like, I think she's like 16 or something. And uh, the guy's like 36. And uh, they found her, man. And they got the guy and they threw him in jail. And she uh, wrote me thanking me for doing that. And she's like, in, uh, you know, hate to brag, but she's in awe that she was speaking with, you know, Senor Dr. Fuck. And how honored she was that Senor Dr. Fuck took the effort to uh, care enough for her to put up the things. And I also want to thank everybody out there that shared because I asked people to please share and spread it around on the Thrasher Die page and my, my personal Facebook page. And I'm glad to say that she's back home and she's back with her boyfriend, who is also a, a Thrasher Die fan. And uh, that's a great, great happy ending. And the guy's in jail. And hopefully right now he is being traded for a pack of cigarettes by Bubba and uh, and Curtis, the white the white guy. In jail oh, with whoa. the big schlong. Anyway, so we have any news? All right. Well, uh, did you see the glowing review we got from Andrew Jacobs from Podcasts Are the Best? Oh, yeah. That guy thinks we are the best podcast ever. He did say that. He said, currently we are his favorite podcast. He wrote up a nice review on his page. And uh, I was very humbled and very, very happy about it. He pointed out a lot of... Uh, great things about the show that I agree with about how we talk about albums that you know aren't really talked about and uh, I was he really loves Headless Cross and he was so nice to me after the way I trashed that album so uh, I was very happy to hear how much he enjoys the show and he is going to uh, interview both of us separately Uh, we're going to mail in our interviews to him and uh That'll be put up on his website. We'll definitely put links up for that when uh, when that comes out. Uh, also, uh, man, so happy that we got another uh, home right now. The Indie Authority airs us on Saturdays at 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time. So we've had a pretty good fucking week. And plus, you found a missing girl. So that, that's a pretty awesome start already, I think. <laughs> 
Yeah, I helped. I helped find her. Now she's with her boyfriend, enjoying Thrasher Die and my angelic voice in happiness and harmony. So awesome. But wait a minute. I think you got some more good news for our listeners out there. Yes, I do. Thrasher Die news? Yes, I do. And this is very exciting. Uh, we have just been confirmed to be playing Washington, D.C. Our we, nation's capital. That's right. We're setting up a tour for August, and we're playing, so far confirmed, Rhode Island, Washington, D.C., we're New North Carolina, though uh, I don't have the dates in front of me. So tune in next week where I'll have all the dates. Hopefully we'll get more gigs. Like I want to play Georgia. I want to play South Carolina. And I want to play, you know, you, you know that guy out there or that girl out there listening right now? I want to play where you play. So hopefully we get we get booked there. And um, You're and, playing Rhode Island? That yes. Yes, we're playing Rhode Island. And, so uh, anybody who survived the Great White Show is going to be at Thrash or Die. That uh, is awesome. Mike Sears. He's oh, going. He's going. No shit. Yeah. Mike Sears. You get to meet Mike Sears. I'm That's so right. Jealous. That's right. I'm going to meet Mike Sears, and and no, you're getting even more jealous because Mike Sears is going to get to meet me and see me live. Something that you never got to do, Ian. Yeah, I got to hear you snore, but I didn't get to see you perform. That's right. So. uh yeah, so uh, Thrasher Die is going on tour in August, and that's why me and Ian are getting busy now recording multiple episodes so he can air them while, while I'm gone. Uh, and, you know, uh, that there and the other thing. So that's the Thrasher Die news. And, and what I think we should do for these episodes while you're out gallivanting around the country is uh, instead of the news segment, I think we should, like, go into go into the reviews. But at the end... You're going to have some awesome DJing, man, because I love when you and me DJ. I think we've done some, a great job, and uh, I really enjoy doing that shit. All right. Yeah, let's do it. There you go. But now we do have some news, so let's get into it. And uh, I don't know if you're a fan of this band or not. I think they were really awesome, even though they only put out one studio album. But Mad Season is putting out their album Live at the Moor on vinyl. <laughs> August 28th and uh, it was originally just a home video and then uh, you know it leaked out I think they put it on the, the remastered special edition of uh, above but now it's getting its own separate issue on vinyl double vinyl I might add so you can open it up break up your weed and roll a joint on it as you should with all double albums uh, but if you're a fan of of uh, Lane Stanley and and uh, you know, Allison Chains, or even if you're a Pearl Jam fan, I think it's a great fucking album. What do you think of Mad Season? Huh? I like how you call him Lane Stanley. I don't know much about him, to tell you the truth. I uh, I am aware of him. I, I remember they had a video, but I never really looked into it. I do like Allison Chains. I'm a fan of Allison Chains, but I don't know mu much about Mad Season to give you, to form you an opinion, but I remember when I saw the video... Was it bad? Something River, I think. Was yeah, River, it was. River of Deceit was the first single. Yeah, it was all right. I didn't, I didn't hate it, but it, it didn't inspire me enough to run out and buy it. But, you know, it didn't suck, I can say that. So uh, I really don't have an opinion on this. Will I get the vinyl? Eh, I don't think so. But I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll, I'll listen to it, and if I like it, I'll buy it. All right. Well, did you hear about the Glenn Danzig story this week? Uh, no, tell me about it. Okay, well, uh, 
He got a fan in a headlock. I don't know if you can call the guy a fan. He's basically an antagonizer. You know, he, he fucks with stars, you know, to, to get on, you know, the internet and everything. This guy had previously, like, thrown sugar on Adam Levine for Maroon 5 and The Voice at a red carpet event. And he just does shit to piss off, you know, people and, you know, get his name out. But uh, he was taking all kinds of pictures and video at a Danzig show, which I guess Danzig is like Blally, Blackie Lawless-esque where you can't record anything. But not only did he do that and get his phone taken away during the show by, by Glenn Danzig, he, he got another device and went up to his tour bus and started talking to Glenn, kept recording and doing some shit. And Danzig asked him to stop, and he wouldn't. Then uh, Danzig got him in a fucking headlock, got him in a fucking chokehold, told him to stop being an asshole, and, you know, basically choked the fucking dude out. You know, it wasn't, uh, you know, Danzig won this one. It wasn't like the Northside King incident where he got knocked the fuck out. Oh, yeah. Uh, this, this time Danzig won. So, uh, uh, you saw the North... You saw the knockout, right? What'd you think of that? Yeah, everybody's seen that. Uh, I feel kind of like all, all, it was almost a sucker punch. I mean, people, you know, people love the fact that Danzig got knocked out because you know he is a muscular dude, and I don't know. People get off on that. Yeah, I, I, I gotta admit, you know, for him shoving the guy, he deserved it. You know, you don't lay your hands on anybody, bro. If you do, then expect to get hit. I think anybody that lays their hands on anybody should get what Danzig got in that video. You know, so, but at the same time, if you look at that video closely, that guy was quick because Danzig did almost get in a stance where it could have been a good fight, you know, but that, but the guy was too quick and he just, it almost became close to a sucker punch, but he knocked him the fuck out. So, uh, that's what I thought of it. Well, yeah, uh, there you go with Danzig. I love him. Uh, but here, here's an interesting story. Ralph, do you happen to have $300 laying around? Uh, no. Uh, well, if you did and you were in L.A., you could go to Sebastian Bach's uh, wedding reception. Oh, is that true? Is that right? Yeah, the, the story first came out, and uh, they made it look like for 300 bucks you could go to the wedding. And uh, Sebastian Bach was very quick to get on the internet and say, uh, no, you can't come to my wedding. That's something private and personal. But you can come to my wedding reception where supposedly there's going to be an all-star performance. And by all-star performance, probably means like Matt Sorum on drums and that's it. Yikes. But uh, he is selling tickets for that. There's a limited number, uh, you know, because it is at a, you know, a VFW. But... Uh, for $300, yeah, you can go to Sebastian Bach's uh, wedding reception. I don't, I don't know if this is classless or if it's cool for the fans. I'm, I'm kind of, I think it's a little of both. There's something very white trash about this. But then there's something cool about it. I mean, if you have 300 bucks and you want to go to the thing. And uh, I love Sebastian. I love his voice. Uh, you know, would love to see him live again. It'd be cool to go to this. I don't know about 300 fucking dollars. But, uh... I mean, if I had it, I would go. What do you think, brother? Uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't pay three hundred bucks for that. And I see what he's doing. He's raising three hundred bucks, so you know he can pay for the divorce of this girl that he's going to get married to. 
because marriage today is a sham. Nobody should get married, and nobody should. Nobody knows that more than my co-host here, Ian Wadley, who's a divorcee. Hello. I never got married, therefore I am not a divorcee. See, if I got married, I'd be just like Ian here, all divorced Hello. and drinking my sorrows away. But nah, I'm oh, happy. Dude, dude, I got I got divorced when I was 21. I've had plenty of time to get over it. I'm well adjusted. 21? How old were you when you got married? 18. It was, a shot, it was a shotgun wedding. Moron. I swear to God. You came here. Oh, man. I'm telling you, man. 18. Well, I guess all 18-year-olds are morons, except if you were called Ralph Vieira. You know, look, one thing I got to say to everybody out there. What makes me different than everybody out there is that there's a lot of pregnancies going on because nobody out there appreciates the facial. I love the facial. I love wearing condoms when I fuck. So if you give facials and wear condoms when you fuck, you won't have the problem that Ian had here. But at least he gave birth. Well, she did. Or maybe it was a you or her. I, I don't know. I get both of you confused. Gave birth to a hero. Somebody out there kicking ass for us. I love him. What's his name again? Tyler, Tyler Wadley. Tyler Rambo Rodley, who needs to go to ISIS and and fuck those people up, throw them all in cages and light them on fire, then take a trip to Mexico and decapitate those fuckers over there that are from the drug lords that are killing people over there. We need we need him to go out there and do the last blood. Right, he'd do it too. He don't give a fuck. Yeah, I know, <laughs> man. He's a badass. I I, I appreciate him. Uh, and g good thing that he dodged those coat hangers, right? You know. Yeah, that's right. Like five of them. Yeah, that's five a, of them. that. You know, you can't. You cannot. Yeah. That's diehard right there, boy. He he invented that matrix shit. You know, he just bent backwards, said, "Fuck this, I'm coming out, and I'm gonna fuck some shit up." And uh, I love you, brother. That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah. So, uh, uh, but other than that, uh, getting back to the subject, don't get married, kids, please. And if you do. Know the girl or girl, know the guy for at least five years. Date him for at least five years, then marry him. See, that's why I've never been married, because I go through that system. Every time I get a girlfriend, I'm like, if I'm with you for five years, well, actually, I only said this to one. Uh, if I'm with somebody for five years and we're still very much in love with each other, then yeah, do it. But people like Ian, that, you know, just knock people up, or people like, you know, like a lot of people I know that just meet somebody and they're married less than a year later or a year, a year and a half, two years, whatever. Any any time before five years is wrong. Even four months and four years, eleven months is wrong. Wait five fucking years, okay? Then you'd probably have a better chance. It, it it's still it's still a crapshoot. But or you, you could do what your mother did and have an open marriage. You know. Yeah, well, I hate to break the illusion for everybody out there, but my mother has only been with my dad, other uh, unlike Ian's mom. Uh, my mom, my mom is a is a decent woman that doesn't that doesn't know Ian, doesn't know anybody. Got married at seventeen years old to my dad, who was nineteen, and to this day, and, this, oh, and they got married like in fifty nine or something like that. And to this day, they're still married. They've been married for over 50 years. But the reason that is, is because it's a different time. It ain't like back then, man. I mean, it ain't like now. Back you know, then, back then, shit worked most of the time. No, the reason is, is because your mother enjoys facials. All right. So what else we got in the news? 
All right, here we go. Uh, your favorite, your buddy, Corey Taylor from Slipknot and uh, Stone Sour. Slipknot. Yeah, came out. He said Axl Rose is a douchebag for the way he makes fans wait. Well, I think he's a douchebag for the way he makes music. Oh, okay. All right. Well, whether you're a Slipknot fan or a Stone Sour fan, and uh, I'm not too much of both, while I might enjoy a few songs, uh, I think he's absolutely right. I think Axl's a douchebag. For prolonging the shows that long, I think it's very disrespectful to the audience that made you uh, the fucking star you are so you can afford your fucking therapy. And he's like, he goes, you want to know why uh, the Appetite lineup isn't back together? He goes, it's because of Axel. And I agree a thousand percent. And, and I, I like when a, you know, a rock star calls out another rock star and doesn't give a fuck. Because we've said some stuff about fucking some rock stars that might hinder us down the road as far as, you know, not maybe getting an interview or getting to come on the show because of our opinions. But I like people that stand by what they believe. And uh, and I respect that he called them out for it because I totally agree. I saw the very second show of the Use Your Illusions tour uh, at Alpine Valley, Wisconsin. And fucking uh, Axel made everybody sit out in a abnormally cold rain for like two and a half hours in between uh, uh, Skid Row and their show. Like, I, re- I remember distinctly they played uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers' Mother's Mouth twice in its entirety, plus some other shit while we're waiting for fucking uh, Princess Axel to fucking come out. And then when they did, they played, like, Usual Illusions wasn't even out yet. They played a bunch of songs off of that nobody knew. Axel threatened to stop the show two songs in because of a firework. I mean, I'm not saying it, it, it was a bad show. There was some good shit. There was some shit I bitch about. By then, they brought on, like, background singers and, you know, horns and fucking all that fucking what have you. But at least I got to see Lizzie Stradlin. But, uh, yeah, I think Axel's a fucking little prima donna bitch. I don't give a fuck about your wham-wham problems. Don't take it out on your audience. That's my stance. Yeah, well, you know, what you went through was unfortunate, and I have to agree with you 100%. Axel, when he started to pulling that shit, coming out way late, it's fucked up. But at the same time, it's well documented that he does that all the time now. So anybody that's still... But that, bitch- that was the start of it, though. When I no, I know. I, I, dude, listen to me, all right? I'm saying I understand what you're saying, because what, what you went through was unfortunate. But anybody that goes and sees Axl Rose now and bitches about it, shut the fuck up. You know this is what he's going to pull. You know, I saw Guns N' Roses two times uh, after the uh, Use Your Illusion shit. Both times, he went on at midnight sharp. And and the first time in Miami, I, uh, it was like uh, this big arena. Man, there was so many people bitching and crying, and I'm like, shut the fuck up. This is Axl Rose we're talking about. He's... You hear it every every fucking night. He keeps coming on at midnight or later. And then when he played Miami Beach at the Fillmore, small venue, he pulled the same shit again, which worked for me because at that time I used to work 3 to 11. And I worked very close to the Fillmore. So at 11 o'clock I went. And, you know, I had a couple times, a couple, like 45 minutes to have a couple drinks before Axel came out at at uh, 12 at night while everybody was like, wah, 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 wah. It's like... 
you know, what, what happened to you, Ian, I can understand. And the, the, the days after, or even the Use Your Illusion tour, I can understand that. But now, it's, it's, that's the way the guy is. Well, so well, if, well, the one thing I'd like to say is, like, the majority of his fans are older people now. It's, it's not, they're, they're, you know, there's not that many 18-year-olds bumping fucking uh, Use Your Illusions or the fucking spaghetti incident. So here's people like, you know, and say it's on a fucking weeknight. People got kids. People got babysitters and shit. I understand it's rock and roll, go and have fun. But you're so disrespectful to your audience. that Like, hey, not everybody is a fucking millionaire that doesn't have to fucking, you know, work the next day. You know, don't, don't pull that shit on the few remaining people that even give a shit. Especially to see the Axl Rose experience now. Because that shit ain't fucking Guns N' Roses. You know, you want to, you know, people waited 20 years to hear a fucking Wham Wham album about Stephanie Seymour or whatever the fuck her name was. You know, to pull that shit. It's not cool rock and roll shit. Cool rock and roll shit is Van Halen trash in the backstage area because there's brown M&Ms. That doesn't hurt the fans. What he does fucks the fans. And that's what I don't like about him, so fuck him. Uh, you know, but I see what you're saying, too. I see your side. Like, you know that he could do this. So I, I, I get that. You know what you're in for, but uh, I still think it's a fucking douche move, and I'm glad he got called out as a fucking douche. I I, I agree with you uh, 100%, but like I said, you know, uh, Corey Taylor, look, I'm not a fan, and of course I'm going to say negative shit about him because I'm like everybody else out there. You know, the people that listen to our show that like Slipknot and Stone Sour... You know, I like you, but I don't like Corey Taylor. So don't take this as me uh, say, looking down on you. Hey, for your love for Slipknot and Corey Taylor, that's your thing, man. I don't look down on you for that. So don't look down on me for hating. I, I hate when you burp, dude. I'm sorry. You're, 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 getting, you're getting overwhelming with the burps. Anyway, so... Uh, can you, can you, look, look, Ian, can you at least burp away from the microphone as I talk and then burp when you talk? Because, hey, I'm a rock star. I do what I want. Hey, hey you, you, you knew cut, it was coming. So you stop cut, crying. <laughs> you cut me off enough. You know, Ian, let me, let me get off the subject for a second. I've been doing two hour walks for a while now, for months. And now it finally dawned on me like a week ago. I was like, you know what? I should listen to our podcast. Because it is two hours long, and that way, by the time it's almost over, and I notice, you know, because I am going in order, I notice as the shows go on, you cut me off more and more and more, dude. It gets like, dude, have you have you noticed this yourself? How much you cut me off? Hold on, I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I do notice the times I, I'm excessively drunk, I, I do tend to cut you off, and I apologize. A lot, bro. I, I'm I am apologizing. I, I'm bigger than Axl Rose, so I apologize for when I cut you off. No, I, I, hey, look, I'm not upset. No, hold with on, you. I gotta tell you something. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not upset with you. Believe me. While I walk around and listen to it, I am a hundred percent. I understand you're not doing this thing on purpose. I understand you're doing this because you're drunk and you don't realize you're doing it. So how can I get upset with you? See, yeah. even with my fucked up temper and Cuban blood, I can accept the drunken philosophy. Oh, God. Isn't America beautiful? Hell yeah, it's the greatest country on the planet. 
There you go. I love America. All right. You know what I love is the Scorpions. Yeah, me too. And we got some great Scorpions news. Taken by Force and Tokyo Tapes. I wish there was more of it. As of now, these two albums are going to be remastered and re-released with some bonus tracks. Greatest era of the band. And I hope... Uh... You know, those bonus tracks, they haven't mentioned what they are yet, but I hope there's a lot of cool, like, Sales of Caron, Catch Your Train, live versions. For That would be awesome, you know, if th those were played uh, on those shows and recorded. And plus, there's going to be uh, uh, studio uh, bonus tracks on the Taken by Force, and hopefully it'll have all night long. The song, isn't that the name of the song? God damn, why am I having a brain fart? Uh, on Tokyo Tapes, that as, as far as I know, they I've never heard a studio recording of it. So hopefully that'll be on there as well. So yeah, I'm I'm very looking forward to this because that is kind of like my favorite era along with Love Drive. Love Drive Down, that's my favorite Scorpions. But I love everything up to Love It First Thing as well. Uh, very excited for this. I hope they release it on vinyl as well. 180 gram. I do own Tokyo Tapes on vinyl. I actually have the CD too. You wanna, I'll give you a funny story. Um, I owned, <laughs> I, bought, I bought Tokyo Tapes twice. The first time I owned it, I shit you not, I dropped the CD and it broke like a piece of glass. No shit. I, it's crazy, right? This CD was made out of glass. It shattered like glass. You know, and I had to go buy it again on a nice plastic type. So, But I have it on vinyl as well. It's one of my favorite live albums. I cannot get enough of Tokyo Tapes. It blows, blows, blows Worldwide Live away. I don't hate Worldwide Live, but it's like, yeah, I dig the studio versions more. Where I I think the, the live versions on Tokyo Tape are superior to the studio versions, with the exception of Pictured Life. There's something about that studio version I like a little more. But I'm very excited for these Scorpions reissues. Hell yeah! Do you, do you still have the broken pieces of that CD? No, I don't. I don't even have that CD. Oh, I've... man, because if you did, that would be awesome to put over the cover of a 12-year-old naked girl. You know, oh, I hate that fucking album cover. So many people are so proud that have that. It's like, ooh, I have the Virgin Killer. I was like, dude, that album cover is so disturbing. It's like a naked little, what, 10-year-old? and It's just, I don't know, man. You know... I, you know, and then there's that other cover where they're all on the cover, and Uli, bon, uh, Uli John Roth looks completely stoned. I love that cover. You know, well, I, you know, I used to feel bad about the Virgin cover album. Like, like I, I wanted it because it was original and there was something taboo about it. But I did have a little bit of guilt until I found out the truth about that album. That is actually a picture of Justin Childers. Oh, so it's a guy. Yeah, it's not even a girl, so you don't have to feel bad about it. That's a that's a prepubescent Justin Childers. Wow, so that has a micro penis. Yeah, yeah. It, and it, it was, was so it was so small they felt bad and broke the glass so you couldn't tell. That one little crack in the glass covers the penis. Yeah, yeah. So so now it's like, yeah, I want that cover. Because I'm like, that's my Facebook buddy. I know that guy kinda. I did not know that. Boy, his his gay partners must be very disappointed. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. yeah but I'm sure they're not that disappointed. I'm sure he's the catcher. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, he's definitely catcher. All right. Well, <laughs> how, could, how could he pitch with that with that belly button he calls a penis? Yeah, he throws underhand. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, uh, okay, here's another story. Uh, a hot topic in the U.S. of A. 
is, uh, you know, all this hoopla over the rebel flag. And uh, supposedly Ted Nugent and Kid Rock are getting together to record a song called Kiss My Rebel Ass. Ah. And, okay. uh, and there has since been an update on the story that now they're not doing it, but that Ted Nugent still stands behind Kid Rock's stance uh, on, uh, you know, letting the rebel flag fly. You know, just, just for our audience, we're not a very political podcast, but what do you think about this whole rebel flag hoopla, Ralph? Well, I, I, I don't really like to get political because we have a lot of uh, people that don't... You know, I mean, I find... I find political stuff kind of like personal. I mean, I do have my beliefs. I don't consider myself Republican or Democrat, though uh, I do lean a little more conservative on many issues. But then some of the issues, I hate when people infringe their rights on other people. And Republicans seem to do that a lot. And that really turns me off about the Republicans. Uh, so I'm kind of like, I'm not in either party, but I also believe in the right to, you know, to do whatever the fuck you want. This is America. And it's a land of freedom. And Democratic or Republican doesn't matter when you when you infringe on our freedom. So if somebody wants to have a rebel flag, I really don't see a problem with it. If somebody wants to be a racist, I really don't see a problem with it. And I'll tell you why. Because Al, as long as we have Al Sharpton out there, then hey, all bets are off. You know? He can be racist and white people can't. No, I, I find it despicable. Just like I find despicable how a guy can fuck a hundred chicks and he's considered a stud, a stud where a chick fucks a hundred dudes and she's considered a nasty slut. No, no. Chicks that fuck a hundred dudes are fucking heroes. You should be respecting them. I love sluts, by the way. Thank you. All right. I'm a big fan of your mother as well. You know, my stance on this, uh, <laughs> and I'm kind of like you. There's certain things I you would consider me conservative on. There's things you would consider me liberal on. I I color myself an independent. Uh, I myself cannot stand the rebel flag. I think it has no place in front of any government building, but the same way I think, like, uh, you know, the Christian Bible has no place, or any Bible, the Koran or any Scientology has no place in our government. That's what our forefathers fought for, is to keep all that shit out of it. But, as an American, if you want to wear a rebel flag, I think you should be allowed to. I uh, just, uh, I really wanted to hear this shitty song so we could rag the fuck out of it. But, uh, we don't. But what we do have is an incredible fucking album to talk about, and we have a special guest joining us. Our most popular guest. The one and only Bill Wang is here to talk about Sabotage, Hall of the Mountain King. What do you say we get into that? All right, Sabotage, Hall of the Mountain King. Uh, this one I personally picked. Uh, and I said, man, if we're going to pick this, then we got we to gotta bring in uh, our most popular guest. Yeah, he's even more popular than Ron Keel. And he's even more popular than Gordon Gerbert and Axl Rose, a three uh, past guests. I'm talking about no other than the mysterious, yet open to us, Mr. Bill Wang. Hello, Bill. 
Hey, 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 guys. Coming to you live from San Francisco. I got me a bunch of chopsticks, some fresh egg rolls. Let's do this. All right. Oh, I'm starting. I know, yeah. I know there ain't no rotten egg rolls when it comes to this album. No, fuck no. They're fresh, and I got a box of the real yeah. killer chopsticks. No, I, I don't know. I, I hope I, you got a big box, because you're going to need a lot of chopsticks for this one. I think we got well, a rotten egg roll Well, basically, I had a forklift deliver them, so there oh, you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's about that. That's uh, that sounds about right. Uh, Ian, were you about to say something? No, I was gonna say there's a rotten egg roll in here, but we'll get into that later. Oh, that's the end, though. But Ian, don't, you don't yeah. count, dude. You like bang yeah. tango. That's right. You I love bang, bang tango. Tang yeah, you big pick bang tango over sabotage. So yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right. So uh, this album was released. Bill, you may have to help me here because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a little senile. But I believe it was 1987. Am I correct? Yes, yeah, September 28th, 1987. Look at that, man. We don't need no no uh, permanent calls to give us, like, exact dates. You know where I'm going <laughs> at there. Uh, yes, I... in September of 1987, this amazing, to me, flawless with no bad track um, album, my personal favorite from Sabotage, and believe me, everything that came out before this album, with the exception of one of them, uh, was awesome as well, and uh, boy, floored me. They were kind of, they weren't like technically a local act. They were from Tampa, and uh, which is a good four-hour drive. And but they would come down here a lot, and I saw them a lot uh, during that era, especially Hall of Mount King. I believe I saw that tour technically three times: two club shows and opening for Dio. Um, and uh, wow. That's all I can say about that, and I love them. I love the hell out of this band, and uh, we will probably go into the whole discography. Uh, well, I don't know, Ian. You're not familiar with the discography, are you? No, but but uh, you guys, you know, feel free. I mean, there's certain albums I know a few songs here and there, uh, but yeah, feel free to talk about it. Well, I, I gotta say, well, I guess we'll go back and forth, me and Bill. Uh, I'll just say it, you know, and then Bill will, will go. Will breeze through his thoughts. There you on go. That. First the fans album, love to hear what Bill Wang has to say. Of course. The first album was Sirens, right, Bill? I believe mm -hmm. it was. Sirens. Oh, my God. Everybody out there, go buy it. Uh, oh, yeah. Dungeons Are Calling. Uh, it's the mm -hmm. same thing. To me, it's kind of like a, a Rubber Soul and Revolver. It's like you can't tell which album is which because they're both amazingly killer, traditional metal masterpieces. Then after mm -hmm. that, I believe, was Power of the Night or was it Fight for the Rock? I'm a little confused there. Nope. Power of the Night, 85. All right, right. Power mm -hmm. of the Night, which, again, I mean, it's kind of like the two before, but it's better production because now they're on Atlantic Records. And right. uh, that's an amazing album. As I recall, it was one of Bill Wang's picks of the week when he was on our show. Yes, it was. Good memory. Yes, yes it certainly yes. was. Love, love, love that album. And one of my favorite album covers, too. So metal. Uh, yeah. Then the really disappointing Fight for Iraq, which we, you know it's uh, label pressure that made them do that mm. album. Though I, I got to admit, there's a couple songs I really like on it. I like Hide, which is a song about... Yo, Hide rules. Yeah, Absolutely. That's Ooh. a great song. There's it another rocks. song on there I like. It's something like Red Light. I don't know. Something like that. Red Light something. I like. And, and, and I... I I'm a big Beatles fan, so I kind of have a warm spot for Lady in Disguise. But the rest of the album, I can do without. And then we go to the next one, which we will discuss after Bill 
is done talking about his thoughts on Sabotage. Uh, tell us how you discovered them and tell us what you think of the albums I just spoke about. Though. Um, boy, carbon copy, basically, what you were saying. And the thing about it, when, uh, when Hall of the Mountain, I mean, it's just a classic, uh, memorable disc. It's just a theme of darkness that runs throughout the album. And by the time that uh, Mountain King came out, I'd already been in the band two years. I got into Power of the 985. And then, of course, I followed them, and then I couldn't wait till the next one came out, and then Fight for the Rock came out, and which was, as you said, an obvious radio-friendly uh, record label-influenced album, which the band admitted later. And then the following year, they put out Hall of the Mountain King, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's the greatest rebound record ever in, uh, in metal, you oh, yeah. know, from going... So, so, know, what, so what exactly, what was your first experience with Sabotage? How, how did you discover what song was it? Oh, okay. It was a <laughs> good question. It was, um, oh, shit. it was Power of the Night. And I remember being with some friends and partying and back in the old crazy days, staying up all night and someone played Power of the Night. And I'm all, who's that? And then they're all, ah, it's a band from Florida, Sabotage. And, and then I, then I obviously, I just, I looked at the, the cassette at the time and just was uh, just blown away and that's when it all began I mean I just just addicted and then obviously to be introduced to and of course I went back to the sirens and dungeons of calling but um you know when power of the night was your first album introduced it's like what an album to be fucking introduced to I mean, it's, and of course I couldn't wait till the next year when oh hey uh, you there Bill yeah, what is that? Oh, uh, no, it just stopped. It just, like, stopped. I know, I got it. I, okay. Uh, you're okay. Tell me when. Okay, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so when uh, when um, Fight for the Rock came out, you know, I was I was, I was let down. and um, But, like I said, uh, the comeback album of, of all time, the rebound was Hall of the Mountain King. And just fantastic. And I just have fantastic memories. And and just a mind-blowing band and just missed, missed. And when I say missed, you know, when Chris died, they died as far as I'm concerned. No, but, I agree. Uh, I totally agree yeah, with that. Yeah. And so but, yeah, I mean, there were a couple albums after uh, that uh, they did Gutter Ballet, which they went more of a kind of like what they're very famous for now. I mean, uh, maybe a lot of people listening don't know that they are, they spawned into... Um, Help me out, Trans, guy. Tr Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Yes, who sells... Right? Yeah, they sell out arenas, Madison Square Garden, usually at Christmas yeah. time. Uh, mm -hmm. It's the producer, Paul O'Neill. I believe that's his name. Paul O'Neill, right. Which 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 Mountain King was the first uh, uh, album that he had anything to do with Sabotage, quite frankly. Correct. So, yeah. yeah, there I you go. He's on every album since then, too. Right. right. There you go. And the only hint you hear on this is the prelude to Mountain King of what was to come, where Gutter Ballet really went into that direction, and then the following album, Streets, as well, and then the final album without John Oliva is uh, Edge of Thorns with Chris Oliva, and uh, they're very different albums, but I feel like all those albums do have some great songs on it, like uh, Of Raging War, Mentally Yours, yeah. uh, you know, there's a, some good stuff on there, Hounds, um, and you know the Streets album is—they really went, 
you know, very operatic on that one. It was it was an opera, a rock opera. But there was hints of old sabotage. Like there's a song on there called um, uh, Thor. No, oh man, god damn it! Why am I having a brain fart? Uh, ecstasy, something in ecstasy. That is total classic sabotage. And then there's another song called like Ted or something like that that sounds like classic Van Halen. Uh, and and, a, and an amazing ballad called Believe that one of my favorite sabotage songs. And then there was Edge of Thorns, which also had a lot of, had like four or five great tracks I really loved. But nothing compares to like Hall of Mountain King and Down. To me, that's, they peaked at this album we're about to talk about. Ian, uh, you are not that familiar with Sabotage. Uh, do, do you recall, do you recall like how you discovered them or? Oh yeah. Oh, I, I totally remember, uh. Around the time this came out, I was living with my dad, and we always watched Headbangers Ball together. And he'd sit there and drink, you know, and, and basically it was like the original Beavis and Butthead. He would just make fun of it, you know, and, and I'd get real mad because, you know, this was, I was so serious about my metal and shit. But I mean, you know, you're talking 87, this was, you know, this was the cock rock era and everything. And a lot of times this would the last video on Headbangers Ball, I remember, they, they'd, almost, they'd end with this so many times, and my dad would just fucking drag the piss out of this fucking video, you know, with, with the little shit running around and shit, and it was kind the of... A little troll. Yeah, it, it was funny because it did stick out like a sore thumb in, in that era, where pretty much, you know, that was all like, you know, the Motley Crew and that kind of shit going on at the time. Or the videos were like, you know, the real heavy thrash. This just kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. You know, it was totally different from both of those genres. Uh, I consider this more, very much more uh, like European metal, like power metal almost kind of. Uh, but man, I just, I didn't get into it at the time. It just, I was admittedly way more into the cock rock back then, starting to get into the thrash. And this was just totally different from all that. And... You know, I just always kind of, you know, laughed them off. But then as the years went by, people kept referring to this album, you know, and holding it in such high regard that I finally went back, like, I must have missed something. And uh, going back and listening to it now, I do enjoy it. I appreciate it a hell of a lot more, and I get why it has all the respect it does. Uh, there, there's still something that's kind of holding me back from being a full-fledged net swinger for him, but, uh, but I definitely have a respect for him. So uh, let's get into the album, shall we? All right, uh, I'll, I'll start this one off. Uh, well, no, actually, let's have Bill. Bill, tell us what you think of the first track, which was uh, 24 Hours Ago. <laughs> the jarring riffs. John Olivia screams, wake the dead. Awesome opener. I love the line, bloodshot eyes hypnotized. I mean, it's it's it's, yeah. it's it's fantastic. It's just a, a great, rocky, kick-ass opener. And basically, I give it five out of five chopsticks and two egg rolls. Bam! Yeah, I, I, I again, I will give it... Uh, I'll actually give it 24 chopsticks. <laughs> and uh, it, it has, like... You know, I got to say, you know, I mean, it, it does kind of have, like, a classic rock feel to it. Uh, and, you know, it... Like, um, it is a great opening track, 
but it, it kind of like after this it kind of gets like different but yet still amazing but there is absolutely no and yeah i agree with you bill bloodshot eyes hypnotize what what a great line you know and and all the you know that just the, the delivery of john oliva is just so amazing the way he just like you know he hits those notes and you know and his brother with those killer riffs and Dr. Kill drums, man. I mean, how can you not, like, give praise to that amazing drummer? And, uh... Oh, Steve Wackel. Fuck yeah. Badass. What an amazing drummer. Didn't like Torin much. I didn't see that. I see. I think I seen him, like, twice. You know, in the whole time I saw Sabotage, where he kept playing on the albums, but not Torin. But, um... Right. Amazing. Amazing track. Uh, they made a video for this. I don't know if you're aware of this. Actually, did make a video. Yeah, great video. Awesome video, straight ahead on stage. You know, just kicking ass. You know, and uh, just awesome. What do you think, Ian? Uh, I do love this one. I think it's a great opener. I never saw the video. I have to check that out. Uh, but man, when I I just think of that fucking riff. Yeah, the guitars on this are really awesome. Uh, just great fucking. You know, sounds like power metal to me, man. And I fucking dig it. Dig it. Great way to start off the album. Hell yeah. Want to take track two? All right. Uh, track two is Beyond the Door. I'm Beyond sorry. the Doors of Death. Oh, this says of the dark. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm thinking of uh, another song. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Uh, I like this one. It, it, it's like dramatic to me. It's like dramatic metal. Uh, the only thing that kind of gets me on this is like that, ah, <laughs> that he keeps doing, you know, it's like, a, I, I picture him in his studio recording and all of a sudden, like in the middle of him singing, somebody shoots him with like a rubber band and a paper clip. And he's like, ah, <laughs> you know, like, and I, 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 I see him getting mad, you know, and pissed because oh, I'm trying to sing here, motherfucker. You know, the guy waits till he gets into it and then shoots, ah, you know, that, that, that kind of gets to me, but, uh, it is a good song. It is. It's just, you know, it's kind of different for me, but uh, it's definitely growing on me. All right, Bill. Man, it's just the dark. It's so dark and eerie. Then slams with a chaotic slammer from Chris Olivia, guitar riffs. And in the, in the how can you not love the line? I mean, it's so thought-provoking. Love the line. A never-ending suicide. I mean, it's like, wow, yeah. what the yeah. fuck's that about? That's fucking awesome. Ooh. I love this, man. Yeah, I, I got I gotta agree. I think you know if anybody out there is like a fan of like Dio era Black Sabbath, you would worship this song because it does have. It doesn't sound like any of those Sabbath songs, but it has that build up kind of like the, you know, the Children of the Sea, uh, you know, Sign of Southern Cross, Falling Off the Edge of the World, where it starts where it has that moody intro, and then it goes into that amazing riff where. I love, I love when they shot when they shoot John Oliva with rubber bands, man. It, it really, it really does, it really does like add originality to me. You know, I mean, I, I never heard anybody like do those little high yells like in between songs, and he does it a lot. He does it during uh, songs coming up, but uh, Beyond the Doors of the Dark is, uh, I don't know, man. It's hard to say what's my favorite track on here, but man, it's up there. It's one of my favorites. Uh, Bill, what's the next track? Legions? Is it Legions? Legions, yeah. Legions, oh, man, uh, man. This is uh, another one, man. 
the, that yeah, bass yeah. intro, Johnny Lee Middleton. Yeah, I was just gonna say that that bass intro. Do, 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 oh, do, do, do. And then the riff that comes in that copies the intro, and it's just then John Oliva's right. high. Right, another plant, absolutely. And then John Oliva's high pitched to just to kick in the song. Yeah. God. And and, and his then his his the just his presentation, the way he sings and stuff. I mean, and in particular, this album, you could just tell it. I mean, he he's dying with his shit. I mean, he's so into this. Yeah. It's like you listen to. I mean, even the looking rubber band thing that Ian was talking about. I mean, he's like into that shit, man. And it's like, wow, this dude, this is his art. He is presenting his art into the world back then, and obviously a small, not necessarily a lot of million seller or whatever, but. Us true fans of our age group, we knew that they were the real deal, and him in particular, just fucking awesome. Just love the fucking awesome. I, I agree with you 100%. And this album is criminally underrated. This should have been a platinum album, or 10 times platinum. Right. This should have been their back in black, you know? It should have been. It, it has everything. That it, you know how Back in Black is like flawless. This one's the same thing. I mean, it's a different type of music, but this could this could have been a, a, a million seller easily. It's just you know they promoted it wrong, and that that video was a little cheesy with the little midget running around. Oh, sorry, dwarf. And uh, yeah, you know I know I know the little people don't like to be called midgets. No, they don't. Not the M word. <laughs> but anyway, but right. yeah, I think I think that kind of hurt them. Uh, but you know, and also, I don't know. I think they should have released Strange Wings too, as a single. I think that would have yeah, done them yeah, really that's good. Very, and that's later on. I yeah, agree with you. That's you know, you, you had your '80s cock rock ballad where that one wasn't really a cock rock ballad. It was an amazing ballad. There's a difference from cock rock to amazing. A big difference. You know, and to piggyback on just real fast what you were talking about, what well, how it should have done. You know, in a perfect world, just like just how great it should have done. But the fucking, it only went to 116 on Billboard. That's did sad. It? Did it? It really did, yeah. 116. I mean, it, it sold one of those progress, you know, like those little by little by little sales. I mean, it never went gold, but yeah, it only went to 116. That, yeah, that, and, and you know, it's sad, you know, you're thinking. But, you know, then again, they didn't have, like, a pretty boy singer. That also hurt no. them. Because, you no, know, you know, in the 80s, if you had a pretty boy singer, you know, they, they could have done much better. You know, they, they would have appealed, like, to the chicks and to Ian uh, back That's then. That's right. But, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, this guy, he's got the pipes, but, you know, he came out looking like meatloaf, and that wasn't doing it in the fucking 80s. So. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Waiting. That is true. You know, it's, it's unfortunate, you know. It, but, is, it is. It is. So. But... I, I will tell you this, and I, I'm giving you a solid prediction. Our listeners out there, any of you that listen to this podcast and say, you know what, I'm going to listen to this album, and when they go listen to the album, they're going to come back and say, thank you. Thank you. Because this album is amazing. And then like a year from now, they're going to say, oh, thank you, thank you. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. Watch, watch. That's my prediction. I am Nostradamus. <laughs> uh, Ian, what do you think of? You know, actually, this was unique because Ian, you were in the bathroom. Me and yeah. me and Bill Wang. This was a uh, like first. We reviewed this last song, Legions. Like, I would put a little. I would say a little. He would say a little. We went back and forth. You know, it was instead of one of us talking, we both said it. Uh, you know, 
simultaneously, which oh, was I awesome. Can't, I can't wait to hear it. I'm sorry. I've got the beer shit. So yeah, I know. That's true. So, Ian, what do you think of the song Legion? Uh, I love this fucking track. Uh, it's probably my second favorite on the album. Uh, just a great fucking groove. It's a dirty rocker. And, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely love this track. Hell yeah, the build-up, man. The build-up on that song is just fucking relentless. All right, uh, Ian, I'm going to let you take the next one. All right, Strange Wings. Um, I love the traditional fucking metal. There's something very 80s about this that I love. This is my third favorite track. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, through the connection with Paul O'Neill, Ray Gillen from Badlands uh, sings vocals on this album, too. Does, Does... yeah, he, uh, he does the backing vocals, but uh, tell me, because I'm not aware of this. Where's the connection of Ray Gillen and Paul Neal? Uh, <clears throat> just, uh, that's, they knew each other, and he recommended to get Ray Gillen to sing on this track. Oh, okay. And, uh, I don't know how they knew each other, but he's the one who brought in uh, Ray. And, uh, that's a great track. Uh, this sounds of the times, and I love it. Love it. Great track. What do you think, Wayne? I think it's a cool song, like you were saying, Wadzilla. <clears throat> cool mid-tempo ballad, you know, of sorts. Um, the dual vocals with the late, great, great Gillen are fantastic. It's a cool song. I like it. And um, four to five chopsticks. Nice. Yeah, I have, yeah. To, I have to agree with you. Uh, it is a beautiful, you know, it's, it's a ballad, but it, it's a ballad that rocks. You know, it doesn't go, yeah, right. it doesn't go the route of, you know, just being pretty for the sake of being pretty or like, you know, more than words and whatever else Ian's into, you know, that, that, type, that type of garbage, you know. Yeah, that's why I kind of called it a cool mid-tempo ballad. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's, yeah. It was still dark and scary. It wasn't all pretty and gay. Yeah, exactly. it wasn't you know. is this love or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, then there's that. But if, if Tony Katane was not the video for this, you know, they might have done better. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. of course. If if Tony Katane was in the video and lip-syncing it, it would have done way better. You know? Yeah. Because if, if they, they would have just... If they had her dancing on a car instead of a little troll midget, you know, which I got to say, you know, I think that's what held the album back was the midget. I you said know, that while you were in the bathroom. Donald Trump is right. They come over here. They rape our women. They, they fuck up the sabotage videos. Uh, you know, the great Randy Newman said it. You know, I don't want no short people around me. You know, I'm just saying. And that was Ian Wadley, by the way. Hello. Yeah. Me, me, and, me and Bill are all for the little people, man. I love that little fucker on Game of Thrones. He's my favorite. All right, you know. But anyway, you know, I mean, more support to phone books and... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so, uh, oh, what do I think? Um, Strange Wings, I, oh, I think I said what I thought, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love it. it. All right, let's flip it over to Prelude to Madness. Now, here is where Sabotage shows the direction they're going to, because after this album, they really do go this, uh, and it is a classical piece. I believe it is All the Mount King, correct? Yes. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Song Hall Mount King, which is a who was the original uh, classical composer that did this? Do you remember? Uh, I think his name's Craig. Craig. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. I thought his name was Daisley. 
Anyway, so it, it's like, even though it's an instrumental, Daisy wrote the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were so good you can't hear them. You know what? No, he wrote the lyrics, but the reason you can't hear them because Ozzy wasn't there. That's right. Anyway, the lyrics were just implied; they weren't saying. Exactly. So, uh, but it's an awesome instrumental. Uh, I think you know. I mean, they keep true to the form of the original classical piece. Make it kind of heavy, but it's not. You know, it's not really uh, as heavy as what comes next. So, uh, what do you think of uh, Prelude to Madness, Bill? I think it's a perfect uh, intro to the masterpiece that we're about to talk about. It's uh, just dark and mysterious, and, and just I love it. Some people say it goes on a little bit too long. I don't. No. Because the song that it that it it, it comes on before is so so fucking badass that you need this this complex like and it's just so diverse comparing what's coming up, the riffage and the madness that is the hall of the mountain king. I just love it. I think Prelude to Madness is fantastic for its uh, for what it is, and I think it's great. And I can't listen to Hall of Mountain King without listening to Prelude to Madness. It's it's it should be illegal, but uh, I fucking love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I totally dig what you're saying. I mean, there's a lot of songs like that where it has like, you know, a, such an amazing intro that, you know, when you listen to the song without that intro, it's you feel like something's missing. Yeah, you know. What do you think of the prelude to Madness, Ian? I could not disagree more. I think this is a big old smoking turd that damn near ruins the whole fucking album. And I never want to hear it. I think it almost ruins Hall of the Mountain King. And I love that fucking track. But this is a fucking turd. This should be illegal. Zero fucking chopsticks. No fucking egg rolls. This is like a fortune cookie with no fucking fortune in it. It's fucking oh. terrible. Uh, I do not like classical music mixed with my fucking metal. I don't like... It's like how most people get offended by rap rock. I, I, I don't like fucking classical... Like, I hate, I hate when fucking Richie Blackmore mixes that shit like on the Rainbow Albums where he does the classical shit. I don't want no fucking Jerkovsky on my fucking metal, you know? You, you want to... You know, yeah, like, there's some cool shit like Wagner and shit like that, Apocalypse Now. That's fucking awesome. But the rest of this fucking dance, the sugar plum fairy sounding fucking shit, I cannot fucking stand. Get away from my metal. I don't like the the, the the Deep Purple album where they did it. Let's not even get into Bill Wang's Blessed Metallica and that horrible fucking symphonic shit. The Kiss One sucked a big fucking donkey dick. I mean, I just keep the goddamn violins and fucking French horns out of my fucking metal. Ain't no Fuck French horns song. in that song. What are you talking what about? That? Fucking Marcus Welby. It sounds like they got the kitchen sink and his head. Oh, my fucking you know, God. You know, Ian, I disagree with you, but I really did love your, your enthusiasm and, and, and how you worded it. It was hilarious. You're a funny guy, dude. Well, and I, I got to say, uh, and you also coined a cool phrase, Jerkovsky. I like that. <laughs> For now on, that's your name, Jerkovsky. <laughs> Just because of that review, I'm going to call you Jer Yeah, thank you, Jer Jerkovsky. I hope I remember that next time you you slam a good song. Hey, I'm Irish, not Polish. <laughs> yeah. Either but, way. Uh, yeah, it, it, it sucks, man. A big, it, seriously, I, you know what? I, I was kind of brutal off blaming the midgets. It's this fucking song uh, that was why this didn't sell a million. But... It leads into a fucking all-time metal classic. Uh, holy shit, the title track, Hall of the Mountain Now this is metal as fuck. I love everything about this work. 
Really? You you like you like that section in where they shoot them with a hundred rubber bands? <laughs> 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 and then they grab his testicles and he goes. <laughs> they get they get a rubber band and they wrap it around his oh, testicles. <laughs> Every time you hear that now and he does that scream, you're gonna think that he's like, cut it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, think of those rubber bands. That... <laughs> Hit him right in the fucking face. God damn near took his eye out. No, I love this fucking track. Uh, you know, and now I love the video for what it is. You know, because uh, it's cool that it was that. I couldn't appreciate it at the time, and whereas now I appreciate it. I think it's awesome that it was so different from what was out. Uh, just a slam track, by far my favorite. Love this title track. What you think, Wang? Oh man, exactly, Godzilla. It's fucking. You know, just a side note. There's a. You can find a YouTube video of that little troll in the studio when Sabotage was on Hall. <laughs> Headbangers Ball. Seriously, in like 1987. Uh, uh, Bill, there, Bill, I don't mean to cut you off, but that video you're talking about is from my channel. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I was the one that put that up. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's my channel, yeah. Yeah, where they were with a, play, uh, a penthouse playmate, too. Yeah, that. yeah, that's fucking it. And, and, oh, and, the li- and, and check this out. The little troll was drunk. <laughs> and, he was, and he was hitting on the playboy. He's like, oh, those are some nice. Uh, rawr, rawr. <laughs> like he meant to say tits. Those are so yeah, yeah. And then they, uh, I didn't realize that was your channel. Okay. Yeah, that's my channel. And they called they called the troll Rip. That was his name. Rip. Rip. Oh, and, then, and then when in he, the magazine. Yeah, and then when he kept mumbling, like John John Oliva goes, Rip is ripped. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta check it out. It's a, I think it's a sabotage compilation. That's what you have to look up. Okay. Yeah, that's my channel. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Bill. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just gotta bring that up. Much this fucking incredible fucking masterpiece, a true gem. Just, just the the different stages, the song, and it just, it's just this this reaching out and just not to get all deep. But the song is fucking awesome. It's incredible. It's 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 about the Mountain King, John Lithgow. I mean, he's so badass. I love it. I give it five out of five chopsticks, two egg rolls, and a big bam. Yeah, I I have to agree with you. This song is like the perfect song. Yeah, probably the highlight of the album for me. With uh, Beyond the Doors of the Dark, there's another one too that I think is equal to this coming up. But um. I just love the hell out of this song, and yeah, that, you know, and and I just find it, so, like I said, on Beyond the Door of the Dark, I find it very original, the sound he makes when they hit him with rubber bands, you know, I just love, yeah, I love those little yelps he does, and he does that in a lot of his songs, like, even if you go back on earlier albums, like Midas Nights and stuff like that, you know, uh, 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 Sirens, you know, at the end of Sirens, when he does that, you know, yelping, it's just... It's, it's a signature thing that John Oliva brings to metal that nobody's ever done since or before. So there, there's some originality to Sabotage. And that's why I think it's criminally underrated how uh, this band never really got their due. But at the same time, uh, I guess, you know, this whole Trisberian Orchestra thing is kind of like their, you know, justification of... Uh, Right, right, right. You know, because now they are living good, you know, with all the money from from that. 
that, you know, because you have Chris Cafferty and, you know, I know John Oliva takes part of it too and he makes royalties as uh, Johnny Lee Middleton, you know, it's just a shame that Chris couldn't, you know, uh, be a part of that, but... Uh, right, and you see how, uh, the, how big it's become, you know, with the basics of, of, of Sabotage, yeah, Chris would have been all, holy shit, we're playing yeah. Madison Square Garden, are you fucking kidding well, me? I, I don't we're, know. we're not in the... Wow. Yeah, exactly. I, I, think, I think if Chris was still alive, I think they'd probably still be doing Sabotage instead of Christmas music. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know about that, man. I don't know. Valid point. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I can't stand it. I, I really, as much as I fucking hate the, you know, the classical shit, man, I really hate Christmas music. Well, well, me too. I, I mean, I'm not a Trans-Siberian guy either. And, and I'm know. not, you know, I'm not like... You know, just because I'm an atheist, it's not like I hate Christmas. I love Christmas. It's a, it's a great time. It's a fun holiday. But uh, man, I just, I just don't dig the fucking music, man. I don't dig the music at all. I I I, I, I don't either. I haven't seen it, though. I do want to go see it live. I, I I just something always happens that I because it always plays down there. Well, it plays everywhere that I never get to see it live. But I do want to see it live just because I'm such a sabotage fan. That I want to experience, you know, what's, you know, because I know musically, I'm going to dig it. Because I love to see good musicians live. I, you know, I'm not like, you know, there's a lot of times I, uh, there's certain bands, certain things I like to go see live that I will not, I refuse to listen to at home. You know, I mean, there's a lot of death metal stuff that I love seeing live, but I just can't kick back and listen to it a lot. I have to be in a certain mood. But when it comes to stuff like that, no, man, I'll, you know, I don't own none of that stuff. But I would like to see it live because I do appreciate uh, watching good musicians in a live setting, no matter what the music is, jazz or what have you. Um, so hopefully one of these years something happens where I get to see it live. And I also think that if Chris was alive today, he would be a part of it because, after all, he, he was a part of Streets and the Gutter Ballet, which was pretty much not far from that, you know. So I can't see him not want to be part of that. So... Uh, but, you know, unfortunately, um, I think instead of going to see that, we should go to fucking Bakken this year and see him, man. I'd, you know, I'd rather see Oh, that that's right. An authentic sabotage reunion. Yeah, they're, right. play, they're playing this year. That they're is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, Kill Drums is part of that. He better yeah, be. Exactly. He better be. Exactly. All right. So, uh, we're going now to the only track they didn't play live. And the only reason I know this is because John Oliva did this album in its entirety like uh, two, three years ago. And uh, that was one of the things that they said about the show. It's like, oh, you know, John Oliva's doing the Hall, the Hall Mountain King live, and he's playing The Price You Pay, which has never been performed live. Which which is a little shocking, but I, I, I believe it because I did see them back then, and I did see every song on this album played, even Last Dawn, live, except for Price You Pay. Price You Pay... I would say too, it's like, you know, this album's flawless, not a bad song on here, but if I had to pick, pick my least favorite, it would be this, but it's still a great fucking song. It's traditional metal. Uh, I don't feel like it's filler, but it is, obviously, because they never played it live and it's not like, you know, talked about as much, but that's because it's just on an album with so many flawless tracks that it's, I guess it's not up to par with the rest but it's such a great fucking song i love this song it's fucking awesome what do you think bill um not to sound like you're uh 
old co-host and kiss your ass. But yeah, man, I, I think it's fantastic. I think there's a different element in this song. It's got a little bit of cock rock uh, docking feel to it. I mean, it's got great vocal melodies, a fantastic guitar playing, just a cool song. But it's 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 just a little bit different than than the vibe of the whole album. Um, yeah. I think you make some valid points. I give it four to five chopsticks, no problem. It's different. It's it's not as challenging as uh, of some of the material on this album, um, um, and like I said, not to be redundant or anything, but it does have an element of docking to it. I, right. I, I, I I feel like I can you know the, there's a little bit of docking. It just it's a little bit different than all the other song structures and whatnot. But I mean I still give it four to five chopsticks. I love it, but it's just different. And, uh, yeah. yeah. One thing we can agree on: it doesn't make you want to go up to CD player and press next. <laughs> right exactly. it's something it's, I mean I feel this whole album is that way it's like if ever I listen to this album I listen to 24 hours all the way to Devastation what do you think uh, Ian uh, I dig it uh, it doesn't remind me of uh, actually what I put in my notes is to me it kind of sounds like Priest to me like some 80's Priest yeah Turbo uh, but uh, I dig it I dig it I think it's a solid track I, I wouldn't skip it. I, I, I do see what you're saying. It is a little bit, uh, I'd say, brighter, you know, than the other stuff on the uh, on the album. Uh, but it's still good. And yeah, like you said, I wouldn't skip it. I wouldn't skip it. And then it goes into another one that uh, that I really dig. I think it's a slam track, and that's White Witch. <clears throat> I really dug this one. Now this one, to me, I, you know, I put it my. It kind of reminded me of Accept. Uh, you know, like something you know, sounds like it could come off of Restless and Wild, you know. Uh, I really, really dig White Witch. Probably, oh shit. Man, maybe this is my third favorite. I don't know. This track is pretty fucking badass. I love White Witch. What you think, Wayne? Heartbeat is rapid. Your blood pumping faster. Hands reach for the blade. Yeah. <laughs> The tour bus, the destination sign on the front of the tour bus out front of the, the stone in San Francisco actually had on the sign, White Witch. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I wonder what they're talking about. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sounds fun to me. Yeah, yeah. I give it five out of five chopsticks, two egg rolls. Bam, 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 bam. Fucking yeah. fat Hell yeah. I have to agree. This one again, man, uh, I have to tie it as my favorite track along with... Uh, Doors of the Dark and uh, the, the title track. This song is so massively killer. With and I totally agree with Ian. It's total except feel. Uh, fast as a shark, double bass, drumming, and just uh, you know the vibe. Like I was saying, uh, that song on um, on Streets, the ecstasy and ecstasy and agony. That's the name of the song. Has the vibe of White Witch. So I highly recommend you guys go listen to that one. Uh, uh, check it out, Wang. I'm sure you're gonna fucking love it. And uh, but this song is just so slamming. And yeah, man, they would play this live, and it was always like, man, seeing them play this live was always like a showstopper. Also, gotta say, I'm kind of. Yeah, hell yeah. I also gotta say, I'm kind of shocked that Ian likes it because he usually doesn't like like the heavy songs. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you! I love metal. Yeah, right. Anyway, so. Uh, yeah, uh, White Witch, five out of five chopsticks, and, you know, 
Uh, 16. Two fresh egg rolls, brother, Dr. Fuck. Oh, yeah. Hey! Egg rolls with the taste of really killer vagina. Yeah, yeah, very. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice taste, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come for the metal, stay for the badge. Exactly. <laughs> Poisoning you, white witch, white witch. God, I love that shit. Awesome. Hell yeah. Then we go into the little instrumental, Last Dawn, right? Is that the name of it? Last Dawn? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Chris Oliva, the mastermind guitar player, very underrated. I want to say something that I have said in a past episode about Chris Oliva, but I'm going to say it again because it deserves to be heard, especially people that didn't hear that episode. And I know there are Sabotage fans that are listening now, you know, that are really like, yeah, man, fucking finally somebody giving respect to Sabotage because, you know, I don't know if there's any podcasts out there that have ever reviewed a Sabotage album. Amen. If, and, and if they have, please let me know so I can become a listener of them because... I have a lot. I would have a lot of respect for any band, every any podcast out there that gives uh, some props, as as the as the Ebonics kids say these days, uh, to to um, to sabotage and beautiful, short to the point. I mean, it's not really something like you know. I don't know. To me, I feel like this song should have been an intro to the last song, but whatever. Uh, it's a little short song, and uh, and it's an amazing guitar player doing it. So I can't. I have absolutely nothing bad to say about Last Donna. Ian. Uh, it, yeah, I kind of agree with you exactly. A nice instrumental makes up for that piece of shit prelude to madness. Uh, I, I, I dig it. It is. It, it's beautiful and it fits perfect. It fits perfect. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's a way. I, Side of the instrumental, you know, just a little short to the point interlude, you know, like the shit Sabbath used to do in the 70s, you know, the great little, you know, Tony Iommi instrumentals. Right. It's you know, great. they, I, they I have a four bands did stuff like this. They have a song called Dungeons Are Calling, which is kind of the same thing, but it's all one song. And I think this should have been all one song. But yeah, uh, I get what you're saying, Ian. Uh, just like the Sabbath stuff, you know. Uh, it has that vibe. It has just a cool little, you know, classical, but yet, you know, it, it keeps you tuned in. Uh, Wang, what do you think? I mean, it, like you guys were saying, it's, it's it's a little short composition, but magical. Brilliant guitar by Chris. Um, a, you know, which he has a sound all of his own. You don't listen to him and go, oh, is that George Lynch? Is that uh, this, that, the other thing? You know automatically. It's fucking Chris. I mean, you know, he's just that type, was that type of a player. And I think it's a cool little uh, composition. Um, and I agree, it should have led into something else. What? I don't know. It's definitely not the next song, Devastation, but um, I, I like it. It's cool. Awesome. All right. Uh, why don't you take the last track, Bill? Uh, devastation. Um I think it's a great way to end this brilliant album. Um, it's got fantastic, great vocals, guitars, drums, bass. Uh, that solo at about the two-minute mark is just fucking wow, man. Just a, just a fantastic song. There are better songs on their record, but there are records out there that have ended with, with clunkers, and this certainly is not one of them. I give this song five out of five chopsticks absolutely Hell yeah, uh, Ian. 
Uh, I agree. I think it's a great rocker and a, and a great way to end the album. And something I didn't know until I was doing research, uh, my copy has one more track. It doesn't end with this. And that's the only version I've ever known. So I didn't know until I was looking today that, that this was the last track. That's interesting. I, I, well, you must have some kind of remaster. I never, I've never looked into that because all I have is the original. Uh, my copy ends with a track called uh, "Stay." A, a, oh, uh, that's a that's a later song. Right. Oh, okay. It's on another album. I believe. Isn't that on uh, Edge of Thorns? I believe it is. I could okay. be wrong. I could be wrong. Is, it's is it's it a ballad. Yeah, yeah. It's an acoustic. I think. But that's not even John Oliva. That's a oh. Zach. Zach okay. Steven. Yeah. Right, right. There yeah. you go. Well, I, I looked at it. I saw it is on like a certain edition, but that's the one that I have. That's... Uh, yeah. You know, if, if you don't mind, uh, keep talking. I'm going to go grab the Edge of Thorns. I'm almost positive it's on that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, hold on a second. Go ahead. But uh, yeah, I, I think this is a great track. And if this is how... The original ends. I mean, is, is it, this is how your original one ends, Bill? Yeah, well, and I know exactly what you're talking about, Wadzilla, from God of all Zilla. <laughs> um, uh, basically, yeah, yeah, it was a re, it was a, uh, a one of those re-releases, and it was. Uh, but anyways, yeah, yeah, Devastation is the actual uh, ending of this brilliant record, and yeah. another thing about the song is it's, it's it's cool. It's got a little bit of uh, little thrash elements to it. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, this is the way it ended. Yeah, and, they and, played it in the club, I saw them. Oh, no shit? And, and yeah. Then, and then knowing that now, though, I think it's a, it's a better way to end the album, too. It, oh, I can only imagine, brother. Yeah, right. That, oh, not, you'd have to end it like this, you know? Yeah, I, I'm back, guys. Uh, I got it confused. There's an acoustic song on, uh, on Edge of Thorns called Sleep. That's how I got it uh, uh, it's uh, but stay sounds familiar. I think I have heard that. I guess that probably is John. Lee. I mean, it should be John Lee. That'd be stupid to put a Zach Stevens song at the end of a John Oliva song <laughs> well, album. Uh, Ralph, why don't you say uh, I'll look up what edition it's on. Why don't you give your opinion of Devastation? Yeah, yeah. Look, look into that. Uh, De- Devastation, which I think they should have renamed it Total Devastation because that's what it says in the song. And I think that's a better, <laughs> t- better title. Total devastation, and oh my god! It, it, I gotta say, man, it's one of my favorites too on the album. It's it's just so heavy with the, you know, I just love the intro with the little like bass drum beat, and then that riff comes in, and John Oliva's vocals. Y'all should have listened to what Christ have to say. Almost a little religious, yeah. you know, but it's just I just love that total devastation. I love the the chorus really really hits home. It's like yes. I love this shit, you know, and I remember when I saw them uh, on this tour, this was the second track they played. Uh, they opened with Dungeons, and they went right into Total Devastation, and it was like, I gotta say this, they they, they played, no, actually, I'm wrong, this wasn't, uh, this wasn't the Hall of the Mountain King, this was a Trigali Gutter Ballet, and check this out, this show, it was Testament, Sabotage, and Nuclear Assault. Oh, wow. Sab- Ooh, wow. Sabotage opened, can- uh, Testament canceled. So Sabotage came out, and, I, and man, sa- and let me tell you something, I'm a big Nuclear Assault fan, but man, Sabotage destroyed them. It was devastation for Nuclear Assault, because they came out, <laughs> and they just, 
it was like the only time they mellowed during their set was when they played Mentally Yours, which is still a fucking heavy track. And uh, they weren't fucking around that night. It's like, okay, we're on tour with three with two thrash bands. We got to bring out the fucking A heavy metal material uh-huh. to keep up with these guys. And let me tell you something. I'm sure if Testament would have been there last night, they would have got their ass handed to them by Sabotage. Because Sabotage clearly destroyed. And uh, and uh, the, here's my cue for Ian. My friend Ruben De La Rosa. I love that guy. He was there. And he can tell you. He's like, man, Sabotage just destroyed, destroyed Nuclear Soul so badly. It wasn't even funny. And Nuclear Soul wasn't bad that night, but it's just like, you cannot, even Testament, I'm sorry, man. The, the, those two bands cannot compete with Sabotage because Sabotage was a, a freak of nature live, man. They were a Amen. force, right? Live, Bill saw it, dude. Live, they were just so fucking on. They were and so I saw odd. Testament many, many times. No way in fucking hell could Testament touch Sabotage at their peak towers. Sorry. No, no. no. Way, yeah, no way. It, with John Oliva on vocals and Chris Oliva, and we're talking gutter ballet. We're not even talking like the early oh, stuff. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm fucking hurt. And they just fucking destroyed. And yeah, and I got to tell you, man, it was uh, a force to be reckoned, man. Uh, Sabotage Live and Total Devastation. Love the fuck out of it. And, uh, Ian, did you find anything on yes. that? Yes, I did. Uh, the version I have is the 1997 Edo Music CD reissue. And the song is credited to uh, Chris Oliva, John Oliva, and uh, Paul O'Neill. Mm. Okay. Uh, but uh, check it out because, I, man, I can see maybe why it didn't make the record because I think it might have been a pure coincidence but it is a total ripoff of uh, Sanitarium, guitar-wise. The intro, that... I mean, if you listen to it, you're like, holy shit, I, I think what happened, maybe they did this, and Puppets came out, and you're like, ah, oh, fuck, somebody used that chord progression. Because right. Because it, it, it's that fucking close to it. It's not a bad song. It, you know, it's, it's an acoustic ballad. It's not bad at all, but there's no way you can hear it without thinking fucking Sanitarium. So you know, I, you I know, think that's maybe why I got left off. You know, I got to say, it, it really does upset me, stuff like this. Like, I'll give you another good example. Shout at the Devil. I hate Shout at the Devil if it doesn't end with danger. You know, that remaster brings all those, like, demos louder than out. It's like, dude, leave that. Album should be how they first release them. Stop with these fucking bonus tracks. If you want to put a bonus track on an album, then put a bonus CD. That's how well, I look at it. I... I agree and I disagree. I get what you're saying, but, you know, I love bonus tracks. 90% of the time, it's shit. You know, 10% of the time, you find a real gem. But what I do, like, I lo- I, I put tons and tons of albums on my phone. And when it's a remaster, I almost always leave the bonus tracks off. You know, I, I, you know I'll transfer the whole file, but I'll delete the bonus tracks. Because that's how I want to hear it. Yeah, and, man. you got to hear it how the artist originally wanted you to hear it. Right. But I, I do like, you know, giving you a little bit of bang for your bucks. Something to entice you. Something like, well, I already own this. You know, give me a little bit of incentive. And I do love shit like that. Because I'm not only a completist, but, you know, it's like if I really love a band, I want to hear all you got. You know? I, 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 I agree. But I, I would look at it as I put it on a separate CD. Uh, but, I mean, that then... 
they're paying to have another CD produced. So, you know, probably it's more cost effective to put it on one. But. No, well, release a CD where it's all like bonus tracks. Oh, there you go. You know, something like that would be better instead of like, you know, because man, I want to hear Total Devastation and the album. You know, I want to hear Lonely is the Word and Heaven and Hell. I want to hear, you know, like over and over and, you know, you name it, man. Uh, I don't want to hear bonus tracks. I don't. I, I understand what you're saying. I would love to hear bonus tracks. I would love to own bonus tracks, even if they are shitty. But leave it on a separate CD and just leave this CD as is. And, and you know, Call of the Mountain King is a classic example of a CD that should not be fucked with. Well, now here's, I want to, I want to, because you guys are, are much bigger fans. I'm going to talk to you about some other versions of this album and then see if you, you know, uh, there's another one that came out, uh, 2002 SPV, uh, reissue that has a live version of Paul the Mountain King and has a live version of Devastation. Yeah, you see, and, I've never heard that. That's cool. And, th and then there's also a reissue that came out in 2011 that has a song called Castles Burning and it's an acoustic version. Do you guys know that song? Mm, I don't. Do you, Bill? Yeah, I do. Okay, and then there, and then there's also another bonus track called "Somewhere in Time Slash Alone You Breathe," and that's an acoustic version. Alone You Breathe. I think I think that's on one of the on streets, maybe. I don't know. So, I believe that's on streets. So there's there's a lot of you know reissues of this album. And huh. uh, another interesting fact uh, that uh, I learned, you know, researching this is their other guitar player. Uh, Chris Caffrey, uh, he only toured with them. He did not play on this album. All guitars are Chris Oliva. Well, right. yeah, I, uh, I, he doesn't even uh, appear on. Uh, well, he he joined the band during Hall of Mountain King, uh, the tour. I don't think he was with them while they were recording. Oh, okay. Okay. But uh, I think the same thing for Gutter Ballet. Well, I I believe he is on Gutter Ballet, and uh, Streets and. Uh, everything after. I know he was the guitar player in John Oliva's band after Sabotage called Dr. Butcher. Yeah, I love that. I love yeah, that. Yeah, that, 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 I think that he does all the guitar on that one. Uh, uh actually, I just looked it up on Gutter Ballet once again. Uh, he did, he didn't play on the album. Oh, wow. I think he appears on the album though as far as like credit and picture. I oh, could be wrong. Yeah, yeah, they say that they, they show his picture and they give him credit but he actually did not play on it. Uh, it's part of Streets, uh, let me see here, uh, once again, he did not play on it. Yeah, and I'm, and I have Edge of Thorns here, and it only shows and four members. They did have, on all, uh, on these three albums we just talked about, Robert, uh, Kinkle played keyboards, but is not a member of the band. And I don't know if he toured with them or not, but he played, uh, keyboards on no, the three No, no, because, uh, whenever they did play keyboards, it was John Oliva. Alive. alive. I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Live, now, uh, it was always done. Uh, I, I believe Bill Wayne has a great story to tell us about seeing this tour in a club. Would you like to share that, Bill? I'd love it, man. I mean, the album is so memorable and classic. A perfect mix of subtle orchestration, unlike their 90s efforts that we've talked about. But, um, yeah, when I saw it in the club in San Francisco called The Stone, um, it was uh, a little club that held 600 people and I was literally literally the, like against a barrier and I was right in front of John when he was playing the openings of Sirens and just oh my god I, mean, I just oh, 
I mean, I was just blown fucking away. I mean, it was the most. And I've been to 540 concerts, and it's in my top five concerts of all time. All the Mountain King and the Stone in San Francisco. And, it's fu- and the thing about that is, it's crazy, is because, like Dr. Fuck just said, they were the opening band on the Megadeth So Far So Good and uh, 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 and the Dio Dream Evil Tour. And by the time they got to San Francisco, within a week of each show, I saw the Megadeth uh, and uh, Dio show at the uh, Open Convention Center, and they played at Stone in San Francisco. And it's like, it's like I had this... I thought they were going to be the opening band, which they did throughout the America until they got west. So, um, yeah, it was, and I'm glad. Quite frankly, I, I mean, I was bummed out or anything, but I, I'm glad that I got to see them in a small little club where it was they were the main focus and whatnot. Where they obviously probably played a much longer set than they did at the Dio shows, like for instance in Detroit or whatever. But yeah, or, was, or, uh, yeah, West Palm Beach. I was there. I, I got to tell you, Bill, they, they played like half an hour. So, yeah, you, you, you wound up winning on that one. Yeah, I did. I did. They played over an hour, and they played all the killer songs. And then opened it with sirens. Oh, really? You know, I, I do remember when I saw them on West Palm Beach, they opened with Power of the Night. I do remember that. Right. I heard you say that. I was yeah. going to say something. But, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah just... Well, I mean, the Stone San Francisco, God rest his soul, it was such a great venue. Oh, shit, that's not there anymore? No, 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 it's not. No, Damn, no. when did it close? I mean, it's there, Dr. Fuck, but they don't have any shows. It's one of those abandoned venues, kind of like the Omni in Oakland. Yeah. Where I the... saw the Gutter Ballet tour uh, 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 two years later. Three years later. No, no, two years later, excuse me. But um, yeah, it uh, you know that famous show with Metallica, Dave Mustang at the Stone, and you know, that same place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bill, you said I, early... actually, I'm, go I'm, I'm, not to go off on a different subject. I saw Kiss at the Stone on the Revenge uh, Club. Wow, uh, so great. Yeah, great. They only played ten club dates for the uh, Revenge uh, Club tour. And, yeah, same same venue. Fuck it, just. A, a metal landmark in San Francisco, and it's fucking sad as fuck that it doesn't exist. How about Ruthie's? Is that still there? Ruthie's? I was gonna ask. No, about no, that. you talked about that fire, Doctor Fucking. No, that's not there in Berkeley anymore either. I mean, it's there now, but you know, it's a fucking bookstore. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Right I know. I know the feeling. You know, we over here in Miami Beach, we had a landmark place called the Cameo, where you know I saw King Diamond and you know Megadeth and. You know, all the classic uh, late 80s. Ace Freely played there. Um, and that's still there, but there's no shows there. Actually, they have raves there, which is, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's horrible. But uh, I, I, well, something that you brought up earlier, Bill, and I wonder if, if you're accurate on this. You said you saw how many shows again? 500 and what? 540. You actually, you, wow, that's, that, you are very impressive, dude. You actually, like, yep. made notes, like, you know, you know exactly yeah. how well, many I shows. I 530 ticket stubs, Dr. Fuck. I'm missing 10. Wow. Of the 540, yeah, 530 You know, I'm, stubs. I'm missing about 500, you know. I, I, <laughs> there was so many, you know, what I still have is my, the oldest ticket stub I have, and it's so faded, it's, it's worrying me. Is when I saw Randy Rhodes, but but I I have tickets. I've seen that ticket stub of yours. It's very faded. That sucks. Yeah. Those tickets up. I know, man. And I and I've been to you know uh, like 
over 20 shows before that that I don't have no tickets to. And afterwards, it's just like, because I moved a lot. You know, I, you got to remember, you know, I moved out of my parents' house at 17. And I was kind of like, you know, moving from house to house. And, you know, tickets don't fall, you know. And, like, uh, I do have a good healthy amount of ticket stubs. But at the same time, it's like, boy, man, I, I, I you know, I know I have well over like 300 400 missing you know so that's why i don't know how many shows i've been to i mean if i would sit down it would take me a while yeah it would take me a while to figure out how many shows i've been to but i'm sure i'll forget one here and there one day i might sit down and you know just write it on the computer like all the shows from my memory and see if i'm sure i've been to as many as you what what year was your first show uh it was, and I'm missing the ticket stub. It was October 20th, 1982, The Clash opening up for The Who. Oh, wow. And, and I saw and that tour. Extreme Revengeance tour. <laughs> oh, wow. I saw I saw both those tours. But when I saw The Who, it was with uh, Joan Jett and uh, the B-52s. And I, I have a scanner, but it doesn't work for some reason. But I do, dude, check this out. One day... I'll put this up and everybody join the Facebook page. I I have a newspaper article from when the Who played Orlando and it has a crowd shot and you see me in that picture. So oh, I, just like the, the shot of the devil thing? That exactly. Yeah, the, the shot of the devil <laughs> thing was, uh, was uh, a signing at a Peaches record. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, this one, this one's even more unique because it's a fucking stadium with tens of thousands of people and you see me I... <laughs> and there's ocean of people you see me i'm smiling and you know i mean you have to look really good but yeah i actually have this newspaper article and uh i just recently found it too i was like holy shit i forgot about this anyway yeah. uh, my point is is that yeah i guess i have may i may have seen more shows than you but maybe not because i started in 79 but yeah, well, I wasn't allowed to go to. I mean, we're the same age. I wasn't allowed to. Matter of fact, you mentioned '79 Dynasty, November 1979. I literally, my mom wouldn't let me go. I literally ran away and got two blocks away with my little bags and everything as a little kid. And <laughs> would, no, I mean, I'm not just saying this for dramatic effect. I literally ran away from home when my mom and dad wouldn't let me go to the Dynasty. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you got me beat by a few years. Well, I got you beat for a few years, but you know what? You never know. You probably see more shows than me because Florida, we get screwed a lot. Yeah, I've gathered that. I saw the original Metallica. So there you go. Yeah, I never saw Metallica with Cliff Burton, which is so... It just kills me, you know? I mean, uh, because, you know, of course, everybody at that time loved Metallica. When, you know, Cliff Burton died, it was like, fuck, man. Such a sad moment, you know, when uh, finding out, you know, because they, uh, the Ultimate Sin tour did come here. I did go, but Queensryche opened. But if it was Metallica, I would have seen him, you know. But I, uh, I, I think Bill Wayne saw Metallica with Bob Rock too. He's seen all of Metallica. Really? <laughs> hey, Bill. Yeah, d- yeah. Bill, did you and, go? And, 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 yeah, matter of fact, that's funny you should say that, Wadzo. Uh Yeah, I did actually in the. Uh, uh, a uh, Raider. Yeah, you went to that. They played the AFC. Yeah, Raiders. I went to that in the, in, in, the, in the parking lot uh, with Bob Rock. Yeah. 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 I'm I just kidding, but yeah, you were there. That's awesome. So, so that must have been yeah, like oh, the only... You didn't o- know that? Yeah, I was no. fucking... Yeah, yeah, I was there. Sir. That must have been the only show, huh? They ever played with Bob Rock? 
That, no, they actually played the. the, the oh, they, that's funny you said. They played one of their at this little place up the street from where I live right now. I think the Key Club. They played a, a Saint Anger pre-show, but yeah, he played two live uh, shows with Metallica. And uh, fortunately, I saw, or unfortunately, yeah. and, I, and I'll have you know that's why we lost to uh, Tampa Bay. No, you yeah, lost well, to Tampa Bay because Raiders <laughs> suck. Go Patriots. Anyway. Hey, hey, uh, another thing. Uh, Bill, did you go see that show, the Metallica show, where it was like an anniversary where they brought out John Bush and Dave yeah, Mustaine? Yeah, uh, King Diamond and Halford. No, yeah. man, that was up to Fillmore. I did not go to that. Man, that's some good stuff, man. I see that on YouTube. That shit's awesome. Yeah. That is some awesome stuff, man. Well, uh, anyway, so, yeah, we got off track. Uh, that was our Sabotage uh, review, man. And uh, we have any closing statement? I Oh, I would like to say something real quick. I will make it brief because I did talk about this on a previous episode. I did see John Oliva's, I mean, Chris Oliva's very last show. is at Hallandale, the Button South. I'm not as good as you, Bill, as far as dates. But uh, I did see it. It was a Friday night. I met Chris Oliva for the third time that night, and I said to him, Chris, I know you hear this a lot, but I think you're the most underrated guitar player ever. And he said, yeah, sure, sure. Like, he was like, kind of like, you know, busting my balls, but with a with a wink. You know, he wasn't really being an asshole. Right, right. I love that story. I love yeah. that fucking story. And also, like, you know, he was kind of like unshaven. He was, you know, he had a lot of stubble. And at the end of the set, he grabbed the microphone and said, fuck yeah, thanks for coming out. It was very unlike him, you know. He was always kind of Randy Rhodes-ish, you know, quiet, played, did his thing, and that was it, you know. But that night he grabbed the mic. He was like, you know, he was. You can tell he was in great spirits. And that was a Friday night, and then the following Sunday. Well, if he would only known twenty-one years after his death, you would be on the most badass podcast in the world. <laughs> Bringing up his memory, yeah. bringing up his artistic Hell yeah. epicness. You know what I'm saying, man? Yeah. He'd be all, hey, that kid that I was giving shit to, fuck yeah, Dr. Fuck Rule. I'm sure he'd be saying that. Yeah, man. Hopefully, you know, he's looking down and listening in, man, because uh, he does yeah, deserve yeah. the praise. Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, baby. Yeah. Yeah. How many chopsticks would you give us, dude? As the site? As the, as the uh, podcast? The podcast. Shit. Five fucking out of five chopsticks. Yeah. Five egg roll and some rangoon for Mike Taylor. <laughs> love it, love it. Thank Mike you, Bill. He always tells me so. Mike Taylor, I give five rangoon samples to you, brother. Yeah. Mike Taylor rules. Nice. Yes, yeah. He does. Yeah. Uh, bring up his show, Ian. You know it. Uh, give a oh, little yeah. plug to Mike Taylor. Yeah, well, we're gonna when we get into when we get into our usual stuff. But uh, one thing I want to add is uh, I'm so glad to have Bill Wang on this episode. You always add a lot to our shows, and uh, I love that we're doing an episode like this. That it, you know is you know an album that doesn't get enough credit. You know, a lot of people don't know, and that's what this show is all about. You know, is talking about stuff like this. And we actually just got a nice write up on the set. Uh, podcasts are the best. Andrew Jacobs. Uh, wrote a, a, a nice article about the show and he said that's what he loves is that we cover you know stuff outside the norm you know we're not talking about you know you know the top album shit everybody knows we want to shine the light 
on stuff we, we think we deserve, you know, deserves to get a light shine on it. So uh, we want to thank Andrew Jacobs for that and, uh, and definitely always want to thank Bill Wang for uh, gracing us with his time and his talent. Hell yeah. Thank you. Thank uh, you so much. It means uh, a lot. So I'm I, pro- so proud to be part of the, the, the combat and the podcast. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. I love it. So. Thank we you, love brother. you, brother. Thank you. And uh, just to, like, I didn't get to finish my uh, Chris Oliva story, and just a little, little piece left was, uh, you know, like I said, that was a Friday night, and then on Sunday, 8 p.m., I'm watching The Simpsons when The Simpsons was kick-ass, and uh, my friend called me, and he told me Chris Oliva died, and it was like, you know, when you hear somebody die, it's, it's usually like you can't believe it, you know, especially if you just talk to the guy a couple days before. And it was just like, you know, it really hit home. And I just thought of that night. Wow, you know, I mean, I just talked to this guy. And he was very, like, you know, he wasn't like he usually was at shows. He was very, like, in good spirits. And like I was saying, you know, like, grabs the mic at the end of the show. Just to find out two days later, he gets killed in a car crash. And his wife, his wife was in that car. And she actually died many years later, a result of that crash. It's just heartbreaking, man. And there is, um, I haven't been there yet, but I plan on going. There's a tree up in Tampa somewhere where uh, there's, you know, it's like a memorial for Chris Oliva, which I plan on going because I'm happy to say that Thrasher Die is headlining a very popular Tampa club called the Brass Mug. Oh, the Brass Mug. I know that. Yeah, we, we actually just got booked yesterday. A headline gig, September 15th. It's a Saturday. How cool is that? So I plan on leaving on Thursday to go up there and spend the next, you know, go to Bush Gardens, do whatever I have to do. And uh, I, I'm going to find that tree, you know, and I'm going to take pictures there, you know, and I'll send, send it to Bill Wang, man. Nice. <laughs> Please do, bro. Please yeah, do. I will. And uh, so that, yeah. Pulling on my heartstrings there, brother. Pulling on my heartstrings. Yeah, man. dude. Take I mean, time. you know, it's... uh. You know, I'll, I'll leave something there for him, too. You know, it's like, you know, because he is a great uh, musician and he was, you know, and his music touched me a lot, you know, and I'm, I'm a big fan of the early Sabotage stuff up to Hall of the Mountain King. I think they did no wrong with the exception of uh, Fight for the Rock. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, th- that brings a close to this thing. So we got to do pick of the week. Oh, yeah. Now I gotta Bill, go. I got extra time to look because you and Bill's gonna yeah. tell your picks Bill, before I pick. Bill mine. Wang, since you are our honored guest, why don't you go first? Oh, my pick of the week. Uh, I, I put a lot of effort into it. I came up with about fifteen different albums or whatever. But I'm gonna go with the 1989 classic Soundgarden's "Louder Than Love." I yeah. love that album. Ten times more metal than what the media was calling metal in 1989. I, I'm not going to go off on that. But, uh, yeah. It, does it sound like Black Sabbath? Fuck yeah, it does. Is it metal? Yes, it is metal. There you go. Great right. pick. Great, great pick. I, I love that album, man. That's uh, actually that's actually how I discovered Soundgarden. And I saw that tour at Summers on the Beach. Ooh, wow. Yeah, yeah so did I with uh, Voivod. Yes! We had Voivod yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> hey, what's what's your pick there, uh, Ian? Uh, mine is by an English blues band uh, that was far more successful in the states than they were in their home country. Uh, but that's Savoy Brown, and I'm a huge fan of this band. My dad turned me on to them, 
and I love him. Luckily, I you know I got to see him live, got to meet him, uh, and I think they have the record for the most lineup changes of any like signed band. I, I mean, they've literally had like hundreds of people in the fucking band. But the one mainstay is is the guitar player Kim Simmons, and uh, the album I'm picking is Looking In, and it's it's a fucking the 1970 classic. And what he's probably most known for is the entire rest of the band left, got a new guitar player, and called themselves Foghat. That was Lonesome Dave on vocals and guitar, Roger Earl on drums, and Tony Stevens on bass. Um, but uh, this was the last one, Savoy Brown album they played on, and it's just absolutely phenomenal. If you like, you know, bluesy rock, uh, just amazing. If you like Foghat, uh, I mean, definitely check it out. It's an incredible album. Savoy Brown, looking in. Right My on. pick of the week. All right, Ralph, did you come up with something? Yeah, I did. I Actually, I was going to pick something that wasn't an album. I wanted to say uh, my pick of the week was John Bush era Anthrax B-sides, but those ain't albums. So, I, I, you know, we get, our pick of the week is something that people should go to on our Amazon link and buy. You can't do Correct. that. But, you know, I do highly recommend people go look for songs like London and Avita Sane. And, you know, they did a lot oh, yeah. of great B-sides. But uh, I'm going to stick with John Bush. And I am going to do my pick of the week. It was actually the latest from Armored Saint um, called Win Hands Down. I've had this CD. You know, I got, I got it kind of late because I know it came out like a month or so ago. But I recently got it. Which it brings a bonus DVD. I got, you, if you can see this, Ian, it, I, it's a book. It came in a book with the lyrics. And it brings a DVD where it's a full show of them playing the Keep It True Festival in 2009. Which is phenomenal because they throw out rare tracks like uh, False Alarm and uh, uh, Book of Blood and stuff like that. But, you know, getting back to the album. Man, this album smokes. And you, you can hear some of these tracks on... Um, on YouTube, and I gotta say, man, the one track that really grabs me is it's a song called "With a With a Full Head of Steam," which is so good. And and that was then, uh, way back when, is another insane track. I think the whole album's really good. Uh, it's a return to form from uh, the last one. I was not really into because uh, La Raza. I, I you know I do have to give it another chance because I gotta tell you something. I was walking around on Shuffle the other day, and a song from uh, Rasa came out. I think it was called Chill. I'm not sure. I, that's my favorite song on the album. I love that song. That Great song place. was so good. I was like, you know, oh, maybe yeah. I should go back to listen to uh, this album. There's some great stuff on there, but I know, you know, you're not alone and not liking it. A lot of Armored Saint fans uh, weren't a fan of that. But see, I'm kind of, I was newer to Armored Saint, so it didn't, it wasn't like a drastic change to me as it was to you. Yeah, but to, I really enjoyed that album. To me, it was a huge disappointment because I was into Armored Saint since the first album, and I felt like up to La Raza, I was like, God, this is one of those bands that never released a bad album. And then when I heard La Raza, I mean, I was like, God, I'm trying to get into it, I just couldn't, and I gave up. So then I listened to... I heard Chill the other day, and I was like, fuck, this song kicks ass. Oh, it's amazing. So amazing. maybe I'll go back and listen to it again. But I got to tell you, Win Hands Down is, to me, like, should have followed Revelations. Because it's it's that good. It's it's It holds up to all the classic Armored Saint stuff. That's my pick of the week. Armored Saint, Win Hands Down. All right. Well, now we got to go into Fan of the Week. 
And uh, this is a funny story because I had to change Fan of the Week. Uh, fan of the Week was, finally, he was always bitching. It was going to be Michael H. Howard. Why can't it still be him? Because he left our page. So? Well, I, why? He, he, won't, he won't tell me. I'm a little disappointed because I thought he added a lot to the page. He was infamous for his mating hating, and he was very fun. But you know what? Shouldn't have left the page. Cause Actually, the Ian, he told me why. Oh, he did tell you. Why. And oh, and it's a, and well, I don't know if I should say it on the air, but I, I'll tell you off the air. But I'll tell you this: it's a really great reason. And oh, okay. I also have to say it has nothing to do with me or you, okay. or the podcast. And he even said to me in the in the message that he's still going to listen to us and. He's going to come back. Oh, okay. Well, so you know, fuck that other fan. Okay. He can wait a week. He oh, can right. wait a week. Hey, no, no, no. By the way, I take back fuck that other fan. If you're going to say it next week, then he's going to think <laughs> I just said fuck him. So no, no. Cool. That other fan can wait another week. I think Michael H. Howard. And let me tell you something else about Michael H. Howard. He not only bought a combat CD for me, but he caught he bought one for a lady friend of his as oh, well. Nice. So, you know, I mean, he bought two. So, yeah, he's fan of the fucking week, goddammit. Uh, I'm glad to hear he's coming back. That that warms my cockles. I don't know when, but, you know. <laughs> he, has, he has good reasons, let me just say. Okay. And it has right. nothing to do with us. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, well, now it's the part where I got to talk. I, here's something exciting we got to talk about. We are part of a, uh, we have a brand new uh, site that airs us. That is the IndieAuthority.com. We need to check this out uh and, and they sought us out uh wanted to have us on on the show and we're so appreciative uh different market for us but they're it's a really cool website and it's all dedicated to indie rock and and underground music and on the site they've got uh, you know movie reviews music re- reviews uh news all kinds of really cool shit and they also have live stream radio and uh they're gonna start airing us on saturday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern. That's awesome. And we are very, very proud to be part of the Indie Authority. So check us out. Another great way to check out the show, man. Hell yeah. Check out Saturdays. Tune in. Go on uh, IndieAuthority.com. Indie Authority. They, they, they said they gave us five out of five flannels. That's right. <laughs> we are lesbian approved. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, the original one that took us in... That metal station we always have to talk about. Scott Green's incredible station. That's right. That, that keeps getting bigger and bigger. And they air us twice a week. Uh, they air us at uh, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sundays and uh, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. And, uh, man, what a great show. And, of course, Mike Tyler, uh, one of our super fans, he has two shows on. He does uh, late night on Fridays, and uh, then he has a new show. I could be wrong on here, so get your ass on thatmetalstation.com and look up the facts. But I think it's on Tuesdays where it's all thrash. That's Hell yeah! All, yeah, it's an all fucking thrash show. And and I talked to Scott Green. He said Mike is doing incredible. He said Mike's numbers are through the roof, especially for like his Friday night show, which is real late. He said for, for that latest show, the fucking numbers are through the roof. So he's doing really fucking good. And we couldn't be more proud of, you know, one of our own, one of our family 
That's right. You know, doing it, and, and, and he stated, he said, you know, the, our podcast was an inspiration for him to branch out and, and, and do something he believes in. And uh, much love and respect, Mike Tyler. We love you. Also, uh, check us out on iTunes. Oh, here's an interesting thing. We are going to do a contest. Okay? The iTunes reviews. We need some more. We need some more. Now, unfortunately, if you already left this review, you're not eligible for this. But if you haven't, we're going to leave this up for a couple months. And it's kind of like the contest we did before, which the winner still hasn't been on the show, but he's going to be. But this contest, get your ass on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review, uh, a five-star rating, and a real nice review. Whoever leaves the coolest, funniest fucking review, you are going to get a signed cop of the combat EP. That's right. So you know, uh, just give you a little hint, because I do love the people that listen to us. In order to get that signed copy, make sure to lather the fuck out of my ass on that review and slam me in a little bit as a as a coattail guy. Oh, and no you, Jerkowski over here? Yeah, jerk. <laughs> yeah, Jerkowski. <laughs> if you say Jerkowski, you know you have a big chance of winning that CD. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's awesome. And, and and man, who wouldn't want this combat CD? And if you already bought it, you're still gonna want to win this one because this one's gonna be fucking signed, personalized sanitized pasteurized it's gonna be all that so so get in on that and also i promise not to rub my dick on it yeah well 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 justin childers might personally ask for that well if he wins then i will justin childers always the dick reference oh Oh, god he he loves the i met him i drank beer with him well hopefully i will Hopefully I will meet them, and anybody else that's in North Carolina, my band will be playing there. I am getting it, everything confirmed, so hopefully next week I will give everybody the tour dates, where it's not only the Thrasher Die Tour, it's the Rock and Metal Combat Star Tour. Yeah! Nice. And also, uh, the triumphant return of the YouTube channel. We got the episodes up. That's right, we are back. So oh. if you if you join our Facebook page, every Wednesday I'm going to put one up. And let me tell you something. We are very backlogged on this fucker. I think the last one I put up was, uh, what was it? The, the, the return was, um, Jesus, what was the episode I put up first? It was old, whatever the hell it was. Right. Vinnie Vincent, I think. No, no, it wasn't Vinnie Vincent. It was... Uh, oh. Unmasked? No, but that that is that is on hold. Actually, that will be up soon. Uh, but I put I put one up. I think it was maybe Pantera. Wasn't it Pantera? I'm not sure. I don't but, know. You know we, we were we were banned for six months because somebody did something bad. But uh, we are back, and and once again, you got if it's an episode you really love, oh oh, you know that was the funniest episode or that was the coolest. Check it out on YouTube because the job he does. With the background, man, it's all pictures and videos from that era of whatever we're talking about. An amazing, amazing job. I, I don't know how you do it. Uh, it must take you fucking forever, man. And, and also, can I say something? And also, those those videos that you're referring to, share them. All the people, all those the thousand plus on on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, share the videos. Yeah. You see the video, share them. I'm all I fucking shared Doctor Fuck's almost human uh the other day and had like 50 likes in a couple hours so on my fucking group so thank you brother yeah fuck yeah dude i fucking love you dude yeah, you man. i 
me go back way years ago. I was looking at some of the comments of back in the day, the almost human shit, back in my old identity and shit. It's like, it goes back almost 10 years, dude. So, anyways, my advice to everyone is share it. When you see the fucking video or whatever, uh, share it, man. Spread the fucking love, the word of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, because here's the deal. It's blowing up. We're talking fucking multiple fucking flat fucking chopsticks. We're talking fucking <laughs> flat egg rolls. We're talking domination, baby. Hell Rock yeah. Metal Hell deal. Yeah. You know what's crazy? I'm, you know what's... No one's preaching the fucking gospel. Rock and Metal Combat podcast. The best, not because I'm on there, because I've been on them all. The best, the best, 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 the most authentic metal fans, the most reachoutable two guys. And here's the deal: I fucking love it, and I'm proud to be on the show. You guys fucking rule! Yeah. Thank you Thank so you. much, Bill. I really appreciate that. And I like to also add that we are actually uh, on the Billboard charts higher than Sabotage was, <laughs> and we're not even an album. And, uh, oh, and, you know, and, and since you mentioned that, we got a bunch of new listeners now. Check out the past episodes. Because, I mean, this, uh, you know, we've got, besides the one we're recording now, we got like 60 other episodes. Let's check them all out. I got a lot of new fans saying, man, I'm going back, checking out the old shit, loving it. Check out the old ones. Also, uh, you got to check out Bill's page. We got to Yes. About, no, no, that's, that's something I, I, I was thinking about earlier. Thank you. Thank you so much. Something that uh, put Bill in my radar was uh, his incredible videos of looking for Vinnie Vincent, going up to strangers, <laughs> asking him where Vinnie Vincent is. I got to tell you, Bill, uh, one of the last ones, which I could not stop laughing, where you went up to some lady and she's like, leave me alone. <laughs> that was a great one. You know the one I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 with the guy sucking the bit, the, the banana, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Some and, good and stuff. This, for our listeners, I am going back to the Bay Area. I'm going to be staying with Bill Wang. And we, In downtown San Francisco, baby boy. Yeah. That's right, and we are going to hit the streets together. Hell yeah. yeah. And we are going to hunt down Vinnie Vincent. I think we can find him. I think so, too. <laughs> it, it is going to be legendary. Look for those videos. Yeah. Oh, Ian and oh yeah. You definitely got to do some episode of you and Ian in San Francisco looking for Vinny Vincent. Oh, we will. Not the fuck. You know we're kind of. Are you kidding? Oh, me? God, we, I, we, I already got the fucking the owner of Aces. I'm all. I mean, here's the deal. My homeboy's gonna come here and do the ba 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 ba. I'm all. He's all man. It's gonna be a party. I'm all nothing but Van Halen, right? He's all yeah. Nothing but Van Halen. No Van Hagar. I'm all. Any Van Hagar, we're fucking out of here. <laughs> I was oh. just going to say that we are going to Aces. We are going to get fucking lit the fuck up, and then we are going to find fucking Vinny Vincent. <laughs> Damn right we are. Yeah, I got all, I got my old phone book out. I'm calling all my bad people, so it's going to be fucking on. Nice. Guys, we got to get Chubby come see us. <laughs> yeah, William Clare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We got to give a shout-out to William Clare. We love you, brother. Yes, sir, we do. Yes, like, sir, like do. I gave a shout-out to Bill Wang on stage. Did you see that video, uh, Bill? Yeah, I saw it. I shared it in my group. I got, like, fucking four likes in a fucking hour. It's beautiful. Yeah, I, went, I, I spent it. that whole show. I spent that whole show in between songs doing Bill Wang. <laughs> <laughs> I kept going, yeah, get him, yeah, get him, yeah, get him, yeah, bam! That, that, that was my mode during the Jesus episode. But, uh, yeah. I'm still hearing repercussions that that for me. <laughs> I still, I, I, I know you don't, you're not a big fan of that one, but I love that show. I love that episode. Oh, 
I yeah, thought it was well, great. That's all, if the boss likes it, it's all good. And you know who else <laughs> we got to give a shout out to is the queen herself, Miss Gina Elizabeth Wayne. Yes. Oh, man, tone of my heart. Yes, my beautiful baby girl. I'm going to see her in 30, 13 days. I'm going to be in North Carolina. It's going to be beautiful. I love my girl. And don't forget little Bill Wayne Jr. I love him. That's, that's right. And we, we love Miss Gina Elizabeth. She is a loyal, loyal fan of the show. She always checks us out, always supports us. And, Ms. and Gina Elizabeth, we all love her. And she was thanked on the Combat CD along with Bill Wang. That's true. Oh, man, now you're really toning my heartstrings. Dr. Fuck, I go back longer than most do in this uh, little world that we've created. I, re I mean, I was reading those, those uh, comments back in the old days, almost human, and... Yeah, brother, man, I, I'm just fucking awesome, man. We're all oh, proud of you. Yeah, Combat man, you. fucking rule. We tried, I tried to fucking buy this goddamn CD on my fucking phone, and I couldn't do it. Then I'm gonna tell him, Mrs. Wayne, I'm gonna, baby, I can't do it on my fucking phone. She's all right, I'll try it. And then she tried to do it on her phone, so, but anyways, you know, we're gonna get the CDs going, and we're gonna be rocking, and uh, yeah, man. Combat. Thank, yeah. It's all about classic metal. Yeah, thank you, Combat, my brother. baby. Thank uh, you so uh, much. This has been a spectacular episode, and if you think this shit was great, wait till next week when we've got Apollo Creed himself. Carl Weathers is here. Oh, shit. To talk about the debut album from Deicide. <laughs> you know, this never happens, dude. Why do you keep ending the show like this? Then next week we're going to have, like, you know, Luke Innes or something, you know? What the fuck, well, I'm in negotiations. Not that guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. We're in negotiations. I'm telling you. Carl Weathers, deicide. It's going to happen. Apollo. That's next week on the Rocket Metal Combat Podcast. Apollo. <laughs>